I'm sorry, the kids get that shot. Kelvy, and today we're going to talk about the a follow-on from the differences that um, Bob talked about last week in base camp. You know, some days uh, my wife really bugs the heck, heck out of me, and I hope this is a place that I can confess that. Um, because I'm going to say a few things about my relationship with my wife today, and I, this is just to sit an example on how we can take some of those differences that we talked about last week and turn them into assets. Um, one of the challenges that um, I have, and this is a, just a challenge in my thinking, is I'm a very touching person. I like to get close. I like to get close to my wife. I like to snuggle. I like to sit next to her, hold hands and whatnot. She doesn't like being that close. Um, she's just not a physical person. I'm, saying, I'm not saying that we don't get physical, but in my world, anytime we're together, we ought to be holding hands or, or, or touching or rubbing backs or something. She prefers some distance, some space, um, and while she doesn't want not to be physically close, she doesn't miss it so long as we are in the same room. It's kind of like the kids in the parallel play. It's okay just be near each other. Um, but because of those differences in our makeup and those differences between us in terms of how much uh, touching we do, sometimes I start thinking that she is intentionally being distanced from me. And she just looks at me and thinks I'm weird. But if you stick with me today, I'm going to see if we can get to apply some techniques to look at the differences that really cause annoyances and how to make those assets in our marriage. <coughs> Last week, Bob addressed differences. None of us are alike, and sometimes the differences can be challenging. What was once acute idiosyncrasy in the woman we were dating um, can quick, uh, not quickly, but can become an annoyance um, to the other. Bob also talked about how we shouldn't seek uniformity. We're not trying to be like each other, um, but rather we should seek unity. I shouldn't be trying to change Mary, and she shouldn't be trying to change me, but we ought to be reminding each other that we are, at the end of the day, on the same team, despite our differences. In Ephesians... Paul's telling us that we should make every effort, every diligent effort, to keep unity in the Spirit through the bond of peace. Now, we understand that in the church, and we'll talk about, more about this in a little bit, but in the church, we have different gifts. We have, we have different aspects that we bring to the body. None of us are the same, so why should we think? We have differences, and the bottom line is that's okay. Christ prayed. He prayed for his disciples, he prayed for the disciples' disciples and so forth down to us. That we would have unity like he and the Father has unity. Again, this is a unity that we should be able to seek within our marriages. And I think we can agree that the differences that we have are normal and that they are a blessing. But there are a few differences that are really challenging, kind of like that touching thing I was talking about. So how do we go from recognizing the differences are normal to making them assets? That's what we're going to talk about today. Remember, differences are neither right nor wrong, they're just difference. Here's some differences between my wife and I. Um, being as God intended, I am a night owl. I like being a night owl. Other people are active in the morning, and I put that on the column of it came from outer space because I don't understand it. It's just, it's foreign. Um, I'm blissfully spontaneous. Um, she's planning ad nauseum. 
Um, I need the physical touch. She needs space. I'm relator. She's experiential. I have no idea what those words mean in this context, but I put them up there. Um, I'm an introvert. She's an extrovert. I am comfortable in the chaos. In the chaos. I'm, I'm com comfortable with um, being disorganized. She is overly organized, and that goes back to the planning. Um, imagination for me is king. You know, just imagine if. Well, to her, it's the words and the numbers. Those are so important to her. But those are just differences. They're, they're not good or bad. Um, and please, nobody say anything about it. it came from outer space, but that's where I am. So the first step in moving from recognizing the differences to making them an asset, according to Chapman, is identify which ones are troublesome. Not all of those are issues. I mean, I like, I, I like to clean dishes. Mary likes to cook. That works out well for us, usually. So in this list, you know, I talked about the physical touch. That's just one that I can circle and say for us, this is a challenge. So once we identify that, what is it about that difference that disturbs me? Or if you flip it on its head, what about it disturbs her? I find that it frustrates me that I have to initiate physical contact, even if we're just sitting on the couch and to hold hands. It's just something in my mind. I start, I start telegraphing on her the reasons that I would avoid physical contact. And I start imagining scenarios where I would treat her the way I'm perceiving she's treating me even though I know good and well that it is her makeup to sit there next to me and not want to lean in necessary, necessarily. Um, so I start to wonder if she even loves me. And the having to initiate or ask for physical contact kind of makes me feel a little freakish. And this is the thing that bothers me about this behavior. This is a difference that disturbs me. Sometimes I get depressed and I make up those reasons in my mind even though I know full well that we are just different in this regard. It's not good, it's not bad. Now the more that you can clarify what it is about the difference that bothers you, the better equipped you would be to process a difference and find an answer to the difference in this aspect. Um, this isn't, the, the, we're not yet to communication, so this is not me digging into it with her. It's just me analyzing, really, what's the thing that bothers me? And then the next one is why. Why does it bother me? What is it, what is there about me, my history, my family of origin, my belief system that causes me to be irritated by my spouse's behavior? Um, Chapman uses an example of a husband that's very aggressive and a, um, a wife that's just by nature very passive. And that was causing some conflict between them when he saw her as being a doormat to other people or not, not standing up for herself. In that example, he analyzed it and realized that it was from his family that did not stand up for yourself. You were considered a nobody. You didn't count. And in his mind, when he saw this happening with his wife, he was thinking that she's nobody, she doesn't count, and I'm married to her, therefore 
I'm married to nobody, and his self-esteem was taking a hit. And that was the thing that bothered him about this difference in them. So the point is we just need to figure out exactly why it bothers us. And that prepares us for a conversation. In my case, I think it is something deep in my psyche that makes me the way I am. Whatever it is, I know that Mary doesn't have it, that she's wired differently. And it's because I filter her actions through my own lens and my own history that I start thinking these, these thoughts and misapplying thoughts to what she may be thinking. Um, I don't think she's actually out of balance. I, I know that she needs, that she has a healthy sense of space and intimacy. Um, however deeply we can analyze these on our own, then we need to communicate our thoughts with our spouse and explain your understanding of why you find the behavior to be troublesome. Now remember in communication we use the I statements, not the you. This is about what I perceive, what I feel. Um, we talked about that when we were talking about the healthy and unhealthy communications a few weeks ago. Explain your, your understanding of why you find the behavior to be troublesome. In my case, I wasn't trying to make Mary more like me um, to be physical, but I was trying to get her to understand why I get depressed and I start thinking that she harbors some kind of ill will. And I explain how I feel when we are together but not physical, and then I get to learn from her. I learn that she, when she gets tired, she just cannot stand to be touched. And I honestly think this comes from when we had kids and they were very small. She just had way too much touch going on. But with communication about these behaviors and understanding each other's perspective, we get to a place where we can then meet each other's needs in a more healthy way. For us, it's our time for being physical is earlier in the day. It's not late in the evening. Because I learned this thing about her and she learned something about me. When I'm leaving for work, when I get home from work, that's okay. I get my tank filled um, in that aspect. And I don't get resentful later when she needs that, that space, that alone time, that uh, not, not alone separately in different rooms, but alone just not being touched. So communication may lead to being more accepting of each other's differences and could remove some of the, the angst and some of the, um, the hurt that we get, particularly when we're projecting ill will on the other person because we don't think the same. A reminder from time to time to each other that we're on the same team goes a long ways. When I learned to say, you know, I'm willing to accept the fact that I'm a touching person and, and she needs more space. And one's not right, one's not wrong. Once I could accept that, we made a great step towards improving our overall intimacy and being together as a team. So remember, we can't change each other. That's not the goal. If we accept our differences and if we are co stop condemning each other for being different and we focus on the differences that have, or the um, difficulties that have come from our differences, we can move towards a resolution. We'll also feel more accepted for who we are and those nuances about us, the, the morning person and the not morning person. Is it difficult to get there? Yes, but can we do it, of course, with God's help? 
Um, James 1.5 speaks to those who feel confused and frustrated. If any one of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God. Assistance is available from the giving God. And what a resource. Um, it, it's more than knowledge that James is talking about, but wisdom. And it's a great prayer to better understand ourselves and our spouses and ask God to get in there with us and give us that wisdom. If we believe, not doubting with hope, God provides. Amen? While we're talking with our spouses, Chapman suggests asking the question, how can I adjust to make life easier on you? The question I like to say is, how can I make your day better? But what can I do in this difference? And if it's Mary and I talking about touching, how, what can I do to make your life better in this regard? And be ready to offer specific responses to the same question. So you might think this out in advance. So how can our differences become positive? Mary's is a different example. Mary's the planner. I like the spontaneity. My spontaneity sometimes drives her crazy to plan. And her plan, her over planning, sometimes does the same to me. We took a trip from Alaska down to Maryland. And she planned it to the detail. But while we were on the trip, we're going down through the um, west coast by the Redwoods, and I, I'd never been there. I said, let's drive down the coast by the water here, get off the interstate. And we did, and we had a wonderful time. And she was flexible enough to allow But if she hadn't done the planning, we would not have been able to meet up with some relatives in, um, oh, what's a hilly place, San Francisco. We would not have met up with some friends in Las Vegas along the way because those took some detailed planning to make sure that we are there at the right time. So together, these differences become supporting, and we can have a better life together because we're not the same person. As we pray for wisdom, we know from 1 John that we who believe have assurances in approaching God. And this is huge for me. I have to continuously thank God just for the privilege of coming into his presence. But then we realize, as we read more, that God desires us to bring things to him. Requests we make in accordance with his will will be heard. Asking God to help us identify and make the most of our differences is certainly in his will. With his help, we can learn to make those differences the assets. Considering uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, which talks about making differences within the body of Christ an asset, we have the Holy Spirit unifying us into one body, not just in spite of our differences, but in a way that makes those differences beneficial. We get to escape from thinking just in terms of me, but then the thinking terms of us and what do we bring to the situation. Um, we ought to recognize our differences as a gift from God and seek to allow each other to utilize our unique personalities for the benefit of the marriage. And we are, this is the footstopper, we're not to ask God to change our spouse, um, to be more like us, but rather to better understand our spouse's differences so that we can make them an asset in our marriage. Remember, 
Paul's admonishment, because the goal of relationships is a unified glorying of God, Paul tells us to accept one another as Christ accepts us. Accepting one another's differences is a major step. Now Chapman concludes this section on moving from differences to assets by saying one troublesome difference that deserves special attention is defensive reactions. Why do you and your spouse react differently to each other? Well, we're not going to touch that one today. That's going to be next week, the cliffhanger for you. So today at your tables, I'd like you to consider a few questions and talk about those steps to resolving the differences or making them an asset. How are you going to move forward in transforming differences that were annoyances into assets? Do you even need to put any effort into that area? This one isn't worded very well, but if you're married, are you willing to commit to working through these steps to identify specific differences that are troubling to communicating with your spouses? If you are not married, not if you're not willing to, because I'm assuming you're willing to. <laughs> if you're not married, are you willing to hold your table mates accountable for doing so? And please bring your experiences into the conversation. Do you ever need to remind each other, you and your spouse, that you're on the same team? And when do you find that that occurs most often? Heavenly Father, I thank you for your words and your encouragement to bring everything to you. I, I, I thank you for the unification that you give us as a body and as couples. Lord, I ask your blessing on this group of men as we contemplate what this means and how we can apply our differences and, and improve our relationships. And Lord, bless them as they go about today in Jesus' name. Amen.